Married to who? Podcast, podcast. Welcome to Married to Who. Man, I was so close to saying welcome to Doctor Who. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Keep it in. Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. Just unplugged my headphones. One sec. Boom. Nailed this is it. why you can't stand, Jake. Nope, I can't. I stepped on. There's a connection at my feet. <laughs> what? Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, producer Terry is also here. My name's Jake. This week, we're here to talk about Tomb of the Cybermen, written by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis, directed by Morris Berry, aired September the 2nd to September the 23rd, 1967. Before we get into our thoughts, it is time for everyone's favorite podcast segment, Cody's 40 second plot synopsis on your markets. I go. All right. The doctor and friends land on a planet. And on this planet, there's a bunch of people. And the people are like, we're looking for a thing. And the thing is right over there. We're going to blow it up. And then you hear a boom. And then they don't find the thing. But wait, there's a thing. Also, Doctor Who Quarry points for that. They go into the door, except for the door's got electrocution stuff on it. But another one bites dust. And then they get inside because they have a really strong man with them. And. Anyway, they're inside, and the Cybermen are also in there, too. Uh, they release the Cybermen using their facts and logic, and the Cybermen, they can't really get out, though, and it turns out some dude's Time. part of, like, a cult. Fuck. So, it's episode 30 seconds one. in, you got to them like... entering the tomb. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I really gotta change my method. 15 seconds was the opening scene. You, well... <laughs> I always think like it's going fast. I okay, so like if you're gonna do it in forty seconds, so then you just like okay, so there's the tomb door. It's ten seconds. And then the Cybermen and the Cyber Controller, and then there's the Cybermats, and then Kafka's a bad person. No, you're not doing it again. Well, I'm practicing. (laughs) I'm gonna get it right for next time though. You can't just like I can't get better if I don't practice. So you just gotta you gotta hit the main terms. You just gotta say main terms that people Shut recognize. Up. It is now to <laughs> <laughs> Cody. Since I was so rude just now, I will allow you to go first. There was a poll in 2013 by Doctor Who Magazine during the year of our Lord, the 50th anniversary, <laughs> and on that poll, a bunch of nerds decided which episodes were the best. Out of 156 classic stories, where do you think this one fell? Hmm. 156. <laughs> it's, it's always the best or the worst. It's only one or 156. Um, Sam, you're talking. You go next. 47. What? <laughs> Terry? No, we're done. Uh, Jill? 68. Alex? I'm going conservative 110. 16. Oh my god. Damn. Oh man. Okay. He just did the noise of him leaving the chat in our Discord. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. 16. This one is beloved by fandom for lots of reasons. It's a good story. It's well acted. I Sets can't wait until we get to those reasons, because I think the first time I saw this, I was big on it too, but watching it again, like, the last episode was better than this one, so I don't know. Well, keep talking. What don't you like about it? The acting, for it one. Was, it like, the pacing <laughs> the was... great in this one. <laughs> the pacing seemed weird. Um... 
And maybe I was just bored because I've seen it before. Like, there's no, like, surprise factor. Like, I knew everything was going to happen. So, I don't know. Maybe that just jaded me. But, yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. I didn't like the Cybermen noise. I felt like their costume was weird. Like, not good weird, but, like, bad weird. <laughs> Definitely more comfortable for the actors this time. Oh, I'm <laughs> Really sure. just a jumpsuit. Yeah. I don't know what your pacing problems were. It's only four episodes. I feel like it, it went on a good clip. Yeah, I feel like it. I feel Everything like it that's four well episodes, too. I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, it's, but happy rating it last. We're not getting a four parter for a long time, guys. Oh, <laughs> so, so we I'm have one parters and two parters coming up, Jake. Yep. Sweet. Hell yeah, I love one parters. Once, once, uh, <laughs> once David Tennant comes back, we're just getting one part episodes. Each of us watches one episode, and then we meet at the table and flesh out what exactly happened. Oh, that'd be fun. So anyway, the acting is only good if you're watching this through the lens of Mystery Science Theater or The Room. <laughs> who in particular are you talking about? I am talking you about know. Toberman. You know I am talking about Kaftan. I am talking about the Doctor. You know I don't know all the names. Actually, Toberman, pretty fine. Toberman says one line, otherwise he's great. Each of the so-called quote-unquote American actors. Victoria okay. falling asleep is the worst acting I think I have ever seen in my entirety of my life. I knew you were going to bring that up. She was drugged. She passes out suddenly. No, Jake. Is she that... doesn't fall asleep. She passes out. She blacks out. She physically pushes her head to the side as she closes her eyes forcefully. That is not passing out. Everybody <laughs> who is shot falls to the ground, catches themselves, and then dies. We had this exact conversation two episodes ago. How long your death takes is a direct anti-correlation, or is a direct correlation to how many lines you have. <laughs> if Who you're... was the one guy at the end where I was like, man, he really played that death up? <laughs> was to over Doberman. Was it him? Doberman gets electrocuted I... by the door. No, it wasn't forever. him. It was... Someone who got shot and then they fell over and like seized for 30 seconds, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Kaftan did some silly stuff like hey, that. Hey, we're all trying we're all trying to get noticed. <laughs> uh, uh when they the American accents, that's not bad acting, that's bad accents. That main dude is an amazing actor. He just happens to be Austrian, and he's basically doing a John Wayne impersonation, because in the 60s, that's what america was well, who's the who's the main dude you're referring to the like the the blonde the hair dude or, the, or like the, the bad yeah, guy that no no had, yeah, yeah yeah like the bad guy that had the money no the leader kind of the, main the, the yeah a pilot like the the blonde oh, american that dude yeah the, he's captain who the cowboy giddy up yeah, guy yeah i wouldn't call him a fucking leader like he was barely in this it felt like he was just like okay i'm gonna go work on the ship now I met the leader of the Americans because he specifically brought up the American gotcha. accents. Gotcha. Okay. He's like, he here's your parkas and some food. I'll see you in three days. <laughs> Fuckers. <laughs> Can we sleep outside? Nope. In here. In the tomb. <laughs> you guys suck. I'm going to party out here. You stay out of my party zone. We didn't rent that quarry long enough. <laughs> That's a have typical American. I heard on a podcast that... Um, in an 80s episode, they go back to Telos, or Telos, however you say it, and they shoot it at that same quarry. So that's kind of fun. So why did... Okay, I have a question about the story, and I know we're derailing our whole, like, it's fine. formula. You're pulling a Terry and using the podcast <laughs> to ask questions about plot. Shush. <laughs> so we know the Cybermen are from Mondas. Why is this planet, like, the birthplace. Did I miss Mondas something? Mondas was destroyed. So, yeah, so this is a long, arching story. Mondas was destroyed the first time we met the Cybermen. That ship that we saw in the moon base was a ship from Telos that was, like, it, it was basically, like, a um, a colony that they were expanding. Okay, so if I'm born in my hometown and then I go live in another town i'm not like i would say i'm i'm from this town but i live here like their origin or time isn't traveling from... homeboy they could have been there for millions of years like we don't they're know they're still from mondas no do you um, say not, you're like from germany 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not from Poland. <laughs> well, but like people, like they were saying, like the origin of the Cybermen is like that's not the origin. That's not well where from a certain from. point of view. Depending on who your what your experiences are, they might think that the Cybermen are from there. Because the time between, but the Doctor knows this, and he was not like correcting it or anything. Like he didn't. Because these Cybermen are from Telos. Oh, so there's okay. So this is a different sect of Cybermen. Like this isn't Mondasian so. Cybermen. Like the people who wrote this weren't like super into the lore. <laughs> All this stuff kind of came after by people writing books and audios and stuff. Gotcha. So it's bullshit. Got it. <laughs> well, it's just like, hey, we destroyed the Cyberman planet, but like they were really popular. We need to have the Cyberman back. Well, there were probably some on another planet. Okay. Crazy. Jake just slapping band-aids all over the place. <laughs> hey, if you're a fan of a 70 or a 60-year-old <laughs> sci-fi show, you got band-aids coming out of your pockets. Like there's no alternative. <laughs> See, and I I like I like in New Who we have Mondasian Cybermen's and then like different <laughs> Cybermen's. Cybermen's. Because, like, Cybermen were, like, they evolved into Cybermen in different areas, which, like, that makes sense with our current lore Well, in two we different know. universes. So yes. there's the the Cybris Cybermen, who for no reason show up in our universe a whole bunch because they couldn't afford to make new suits, and they had that giant C on their chest. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we talk about it all the time. Cybermen are inevitable. They right. that's, are created. That's where any society is heading. But the the... The canon that's like the extended universe canon that's been told through books and audios is basically that like Telos is the Mondasian Cybermen. Well, damn. Boom. All right. Then they're just bad scientists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess keep complaining. Ooh, I, I was, ooh this I? is one of the most beloved stories i'm really sad that i voted it lower i heard cody's vote and then also i may have seen your tweet and seen what people one person said and i was like god i thought it was really good Do, well, well depending on which tweet you saw you could have picked I, cody's yeah, number two like i said i only saw one tweet and it was not a nice tweet oh it was matt's it sure was <laughs> <laughs> matt is a troll and yeah Go listen to the Neither Time or the Space podcast and listen to Matt just shit on Doctor Who for <laughs> 200 episodes. It's always a great time. <laughs> if you're a Doctor Who fan, boy, do I have the show for you. Um, The end of episode one, chef's kiss. Loved it. So good. Elaborate. There are people listening to this. Tell them what happened. They like brought the Cyberman out and then someone died. End scene. Oh Nailed my it. god, you are out of your mind. It was like the intro of the Cyberman again. And you're sure. like, oh no. But then you come back to episode two. Surprise, it's not a Cyberman. It's a training zone. They did that at the end of every episode. <laughs> that like, is pretty good. Somebody learned it. about uh, cliffhangers and they're like, uh, <laughs> Oh, is this... Cody, is this your first classic who story? <laughs> like, I don't, okay. I don't know if you've seen the other hundred we've done so far, but... That's the job, is but every 25 minutes you have to have a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger wasn't something like, how will we ever get across this bridge? Oh, we walk across it. Got it. <laughs> this was like, there's a Cyberman and this person's dying. Okay, I'll give you that. And then, they, and then there died. And then there was a twist. It was great. If this is Ooh, just a like twist. a tomb of the Cybermen <laughs> that they have designed to trap it, it is. humans. There's, there's no if. <laughs> Uh, why do they have a weapons testing range? They they lived there once upon a time. Huh. In the above. In the above. In, ah, in the above place. And down below is the tomb. I I will say I did like the concept of the tomb, where like only smart individuals with logic would be able to figure it out, and then rise the cybermen so then they have like good hosts like that was pretty cool okay so the doctor gave away how to do everything but at the same time he's like no but no don't do stop, that stop how'd you no <laughs> but let me tell you the answer if you hit the light <laughs> oh, switch on, are you? like he cannot help himself from being like i'm a fucking genius oh i'm just 
I'm just imagining the doctor like in a skippy outfit, like, oh no, it'd be a shame if you flip that switch. But it genuinely seemed like he didn't want him to do it, but also oh, no, he, he gave him all the answers. Well, he says at the end he needed to know what their plan was, and if there were Cybermen here, he needed to make sure nobody else could ever get in again. It did seem like the doctor was running a gambit. Like he was running something underneath the curtain. That they refuse to ever tell us for the entire series. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it was pretty explicit. Like, it's exactly what Sam's saying. Like, they're winking at the camera the whole time. And the doctors in the background just, like, pulling faces, just laughing. <laughs> like, Troughton's fucking incredible in the story. Yes, I will give Troughton my MVP. Troughton was extraordinary. Jamie, Jamie's really good, too. Jamie, is. I love, Never but the, my favorite part is he's, when they're trying to figure out that uh, that testing gun thing, and the doctor's like, okay, Jamie, you hit this button when I tell you, all right, this is going to be dangerous. If anyone wants to leave, do it now. And Jamie just turns and starts walking towards the door. <laughs> Not you, Jamie. And he goes back. <laughs> it's so good. And these two, like, they're putting in, they're ad-libbing with each other. They're putting in things that is aren't in the script. Like the the accidental hand holding as they're coming in, and they're both trying to hold Victoria's hand. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> like, they did that without telling the director because they knew they were just going to shoot that once, and then he had to leave it in. Really, that's some um, film a, a sabotage. Little, a little gay panic for your '60s audience. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was great. Those two are really like they're legit best friends, and they're they're really coming along. And we get we get a lot more of them together. It's it's awesome. Yeah, watching them together is making it better to watch Classic Who. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also just like like Troughton might be my favorite Doctor. Like it it really ebbs and like it changes every day, but he's always in the top three or four. And so this is just like you know I love sixties Who in general, and I love Hartnell, but it's definitely a step above the three seasons we did. Before this. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. But uh, it is it is a lot of whiplash coming from what we did uh, two weeks ago to this week. <laughs> it is. Which one was two uh, weeks yeah. ago? The, uh, we, we oh, did Evil Dust. Power of the Dogs? Evil yeah. Dust. No, Evil no. Dust. You guys no, no. just love the animated ones. No, no, no. We, did not. we did, we did, we did River Song. Yeah. Oh, two weeks, oh. you mean, in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a gem. What a shining gem of Doctor Who. <laughs> Jill, you have a talk. So I have opposing uh, viewpoint on this story. I didn't think yeah, the story yeah. was terrible. I couldn't get past just the hypocrisy of a young girl and a black man. Like, young girl, your job is to put on dresses and look pretty and stay here mm -hmm. and stay out of trouble. And like... Mm -hmm. The one black man's job is to be big and scary and big, big obey and strong orders. And, and mute. <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. everything was just in order. And, like, I couldn't get past that through the entire thing. It's a real tough look. You're leaving out even more tough looks. Um, so, yeah, I, this is actually one of Victoria's better episodes because... Uh... No. Well, so... Get a shift on. The Doctor does, like, include her. Like, he... When they're going down below and he wants her to stay above, he tells her why, which we haven't seen him done before. He's always kind of just like lying or he like not telling his companions what's going on. And he flat out just tells Victoria like, hey, I need you to stay up here and keep an eye on her because I don't trust her. And she's like, OK, got it. And so she she has agency and everything she does up above, even though she gets drugged. Is good. Like she fucking one shots that Cybermat with a gun. She's from 1860. She's never held a gun in her fucking life. <laughs> they only had one shot back in the day. Well, she turned it <laughs> sideways. That was the trick. <laughs> yeah, that'll get it every single time. Kill shot. I got a bad taste right my right away because uh the whole like dress thing, like I don't know, that's just set such a bad tone for the character for the rest of the story. Like uh, the, just a, like, super like tight the, dress? Well, it's the go-put-on-a-dress thing. Like, that's not what she would normally wear. And then she came out, and she's like, isn't it a little... And the doctor's like, yeah, short. Well, it's longer than Jamie's. And then it moves <laughs> up. The whole, the whole point of it is just for a joke about Jamie wearing a kilt. That, I, <laughs> I know, did giggle. That was like, a great joke. Uh, 
No, it was but it's, terrible. I, I, you have to think about the time. Like, she's, like, they're not going to put her in a 60s miniskirt, because that's a step too far. She's from the Victorian era, so she wears dresses in her life every day. Like, she's an aristocrat. She's wealthy. Like, and Jamie's back there with her, so I'm sure he's just, like, you know, just fully erect, just <laughs> trying to find <laughs> something to put her in that's uh, shapely. Pitching the, the damn old plaid tent. gotta iron it out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also, that joke can't be worse than Metal Breakdown. <laughs> yeah. So, the yeah, Toberman's rough, especially because the most recent episode we watched was Evil of the Daleks, which also has a big, strong, mute black man. And yes, Toberman does have a couple of lines, but he's mostly mute, and he's a servant. And so, it's a tough tough look and it's not the last time we're gonna get a tall strong silent black man they somebody was really really reaching into the barrel for crazy shit to do in the 60s when they harnessed that man up and let a cyberman toss his body (laughs) dude i bet he had the time of his fucking life kudos to fucking casting though he looked incredible like his his outfit like his hair he just this huge jack dude like i could believe he could just be the only one to open these doors he's just like i want everyone to know the exact shape and contour of my ass so make (laughs) these pants tight and then i want to wear moccasins (laughs) you're in a quarry you're on an expedition those are those are hey dudes bro yeah, that shit's coming back. That look is coming they were, back. They were even less than they do. But, like, and the woman, um, Captain, she was wearing open-toed sandals. <laughs> You're on an expedition. In a, yeah, in a tomb that is freezing? Well, the planet gets super okay. cold at night. talking about that, they had to wear, like, parkas, and they talked about how they might not survive the cold going into the tombs, and then Jamie has a kilt on. It's just, yep, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, but Jamie's tough. But also, kilts <laughs> are pretty mentioned? warm. Like Scotland's not warm. Like it's they're not it's warm on there. their knees. Well, but anyway, so beyond all that, we also have a woman in brownface as our main villain, Captain. She was in brownface. Um, what? Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, oh. That's why her makeup looks so weird. I like, thought she... it looked weird, but then I just like wrote Shit. it off as maybe she's Persian or something. <laughs> <laughs> they're going for middle eastern okay i thought her and her her man like not the not the servant dude but the like the other bad guy Klee. Klee. i thought they i thought they were like uh like egyptian like they just had that vibe they're going for vague middle eastern and so okay Klee is played by george pastel who's greek and he his whole career he played middle eastern bad guys like that was his whole thing okay he was good but she she was the wife of the yeah, the the producer, the script editor. She had been. She was married to someone, in in the team, and uh, yeah, just brown her up. Yikes! This ep- this episode is getting worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So there are there are people who obviously. She was married to Peter Bryant, who was the script editor for this. Yep. No producer. Um. Yeah, he was acting producer. We have so, an yeah. acting producer. Well, there's a lot of people like I. I always talk about this podcast, Lazy Doctor Who, that I listen to before we do these. Um, they watched all four episodes in one go, which is odd for them. But uh, the the wife of the couple, I can, I never will ever remember their names. Hated it from the jump for those racist reasons. Like she mm-hmm. couldn't get past it. And refuse to like see any other part of it, which is totally understandable. Uh, the the husband has been like a wild Doctor Who fan since he was a little boy in like the late seventies, so he grew up like thinking this story, like hearing about this story, and thinking it was so exciting and like one of the best stories. And it, it wasn't until nineteen ninety one that they found this one. It was returned to the BBC by a Hong Kong television company called ATV. And then they immediately push it out to VHS. It was like a huge deal. And it's one of the very few times that like fandom as a whole was super high on a story. And then when it was found, they were like, it's just as good as we all hoped it would be. 
Nice. Minus all the racism. <laughs> it was the 90s. The 90s were particularly bad. Yeah, not one black person in Friends until Aisha Tyler shows up. Oh my Ooh, god. We just Burn watched an show. episode. We had just watched an episode with her. You just watched oh, really? an episode of what? Friends with Aisha Tyler. We we go to bed with it and it's on just like shuffle and uh, she was she was in an episode. Hey, God bless. Yeah, she shows up in like 0203. But Jill brought up something I wanted to bring up or I wanted to talk about. The fact that it was a tomb. And just like th- that that was kind of cool. So during this time, I don't know, maybe you can Google this quick, Terry. When was King Tutankhamun's tomb discovered? Because it, it was like a like tombs in general, were like a huge thing in the news at this time. And so Kit Pedler, uh, like the science advisor on Doctor Who and the creator of the Cybermen, wrote this with Jerry Davis. And he's like, tombs are hot. We're going to do a tomb Cybermen story. And uh, a lot of the the sets, like that big front room, were actually like based on the like the main entrance into the King Tut tomb and where it was very similar looking uh 1922 in november yeah <laughs> so not close at all <laughs> ah 40 years <laughs> so i was i was just googling 1967 tomb news and there was revealed dozens dozens of egyptian commandos are buried under an israeli and then it you know I didn't click the link, but I almost looked it huh. up. So that's it. So tombs were in the news, and they based <laughs> the set on, on... I just saw this in a blurb, I don't know. Fake news. But uh, but they based the, that set on the King Tut tomb. Uh. Okay, here was my idea with, with the tomb. This tomb was got ripped off in an upcoming episode, uh, The Martian? The Martians? The Mar... Don't ask me, man. The one where they were, like, in a... In New Who. Where they're, like, in a... On Mars. There you go. They're, like, in a beehive. Cave-type um, things. That with uh, Capaldi and yeah, Bill. Yeah, I think so. Was yeah, that I can't remember the name of it. Cybermen, or was that the Ice Warriors? No, it's not Cybermen. It's Ice Warriors. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Anyways... Really reminded me of that episode. Your job, Terry. Google some shit. <laughs> Sorry. So we've been talking for half an hour. We barely talked about this story at all. Jill, keep going. You have more stuff. Um, Cybermats. Sorry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, the Cybermats. Like, the original Roomba. That's pretty neat. Did you, Do you remember seeing them in New Who? Yes. No. James no? Corden. Remember seeing that? James Corden. Sam reminded me of yeah. that. The second James Corden episode, Closing Time, we see Cybermats, closing and they're time. terrifying. I knew you were going to do that. Thanks. And it and they look like just like these ones. Like the inspiration <laughs> yeah, was exactly great. just but like these ones. Am I remembering things completely different? Weren't those ones like terrifying and super duper fast? Yes. Well, they had human teeth. <laughs> they were really creepy like these ones were slow and like sat on you and didn't do anything the ones in new who were horrifying oh the ones made 50 years later were better just all around <laughs> i liked the new who nod to this these ones because the body is essentially the same <laughs> i mean i just want to imagine them in Old who just chucking them across the room to make them go. <laughs> Fuck off, you stupid worm. I mean that teeth thing, that's a little unsettling. That's Yeah, that's, that's I crazy. Do, I do not remember them having teeth like that. That's gross. Ugh. What on earth? It's gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the new Cybermats at all. That is terrible. I remembered like little bits and pieces, but did not remember the teeth. So this story is very obviously the only classic story that Matt Smith's ever seen. If you ever, if you ever watch a lot of like um, conventions, which I do, 
anytime Matt Smith is asked about classic who, like who his favorite classic doctor is or his favorite classic episode, he always says this one. And that's a great when he episode. Got hired, it's good. When when he got hired, Moffat sent him a bunch of tapes or DVDs, I suppose. And this was clearly the only one he bothered watching. And he, if you watch like Matt Smith and Troughton back to back, he has a lot of Troughton mannerisms. And the bow tie, like he's clear, he just took that off of Troughton. <laughs> and like he, he watched this, it was just like, I get Doctor Who, that's my guy. <laughs> and just, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I mean, he could just be a Troughton fan. Maybe, maybe that's just his guy. He's seeing all of it, but maybe Troughton's his man. He's like, where where are my cybermats? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the um, conventions, they will pair up him and Tenet to to do a, like a Q&A. And Tenet knows everything about Doctor Who. So he's just like really thoughtful and like thinking and comes up with answers. And it's always different answers depending on where he is. And <laughs> Matt Smith's just like, oh, I really like Tomb of the Cybermen, like in a hundred <laughs> conventions, because it's the only story he's bothered watching. Like, hey, if I was the lead actor in a show, I might bother watching that show at if it's some his, point. If it's his favorite, why has it got to change? It's his only answer to any question. It's the only one he's ever... And same with um, Christopher Eccleston. It, it's the same with Christopher Eccleston. Anytime anyone asks him something about Doctor Who, he has no answer. He just makes it some bullshit. And people will be like, every doctor at a convention gets asked, what, like, if you could do a story with a different companion, which companion would you want? And he was just like, oh, I could never have anyone except Rose. She's my, like, it, would, it only works with me and Rose. And everyone, like, cheers. And he's like, hey, I don't know any other companions. <laughs> I've never watched this show. <laughs> he's a genius. Odds on him showing up in the 60th, 0.1%. Isn't he open Isn't he open to uh, audio? What, what's the he's, final? He's doing final audios, but they're not made by the BBC. Like, or They're like partnered with him, but he refuses to do anything on camera until the BBC formally apologizes to him. Well, maybe they have. They have not. Formally means know? in public. <laughs> oh. I thought formally meant just <laughs> to him. No, that's like, secretly. They dress up in a suit and tie. They, yeah, they what, put like, on their best. What does he outfit. want? He he wants like a like a handy and like a, he, like a slap in the he face. He thinks or that because he complained about the way people were being treated on the show, in his mind, he was blacklisted by the BBC and didn't work for years afterwards. And he's very sad about that. But he also likes money, so he very recently started doing conventions and audios because they pay him. <laughs> but like the people that were there at that time aren't there anymore, no? No. So So it'd be real easy for the BBC to be like, hey, those guys were dicks. We're super sorry. We would love you to come back. <laughs> same same thing Comedy Central did to Dave Chappelle. Like none of those people were there when like he got fucked over. So they're like, hey, sorry, buddy. We love you. I liked the views of the TARDIS in the first episode. Yes. Yeah, good, those good were one, nice. Jill. I like that we actually get like uh like explaining things to the companion. And like it it comes right off the last story. I that yeah, the shot you're talking about of them walking into the TARDIS, like with his arm around her, is a great shot. And then just like trying to explain because like with Vicky and some of the others, it's just like, oh, it's adventure time, let's go. You'll figure it out. Man, I do kind of feel bad about Victoria because I know where, like, where her story goes, and this is a very good representation of just like what she does. It's like she's just afraid the whole time. There's no like positive interaction. You're wrong. This is a bad representation of what she does because she does have positive interactions in this. No, doesn't and she, she? Does she? What What I'm getting at is. She gets so much worse. <laughs> like this is her best one. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm saying she is always just in a negative situation when she's with the doctor. Like that's why she leaves, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, what what are you trying to do? Nothing. I'm just I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> trying to shut your <laughs> mouth is what you're trying to life. do. She hates she hates life. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> why do they call her Vic? Because it's Victoria. Oh. Okay, that's the other thing she said not to. Why do we call Terry Tatters? 
That's his name. <laughs> He's never Legally. told us not to. He has. I mean, we call sure. you Sam. No. He he just goes. <laughs> she insists on it. I do. Do not call me anything else. <laughs> um. Yeah, we have both Sam a Sam Banda. and a Sammy on our volleyball team, and they're both females. Yeah, but we got Bam Bam Sam, and then uh, <laughs> Wham Bam. Thank Wham you, Bam, Sam. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Have a good night, Terry. Give me some stuff. Uh, on a positive note with the interaction of Victoria and the doctor, I really loved that moment. I think it was in the third episode where she was missing her father. And yes, thank you. The doctor like sat her down and he had this wonderful line. I don't think I'm saying it correctly, but um, you will not. uh, He said something (laughs) to the effect of, uh, well, they sleep in our minds unless you really think about them. Then they're there. And like it was just such a touching moment, and like he was treating them as friends, and I that just made all of the interactions too of just Jamie, the doctor, and Victoria of how much sass and sarcasm they were talking to each other throughout this whole episodes and series and stuff. Um, that was just great. They're just like back mouthing all of these other people at the same time. It was just wonderful to watch yeah, all three it's... of them work. It's like a perfect character piece because it's not like super appropriate, but it's what it's what the doctor feels telling her like, oh, don't worry. Eventually, you'll forget about them for most of the time. So it won't hurt so much. Like it's kind of crass. But he for the first time we hear he's 450 years old at this point. And so she asks him, do you remember your family? And he's like, sometimes if I try really hard, yes. And so he's he's telling her like his truth, which isn't like maybe the best thing for her to be hearing the day after her dad died. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all he's got. And it's actually really sweet. And it's uh maybe the only time those two characters have a proper conversation in her entire time on the show. <laughs> I also really loved the set. Of just, they had so many levels. The only thing I didn't appreciate was just the constant Cybermen faces everywhere. It's like, we get it. We get it. We're in a tomb of Cybermen. (laughs) On the entrance to the tomb, there's two Cybermen, like, right on either side of the door. And at some point, one of the archaeologists says Cybermen. The doctor's like, Cybermen? It's like, the the pictures next to the door didn't give it away, dude. (laughs) Oh, but all of the uh, cinematography... That was going on in this to not like the real props of like the electricity through the door and like the flares from the guns and the fire in the wall. But just even uh, when team plaid went to the experimental zone and like that wall was just so many different patterns of hypnotic things going on. It was like, that was just brilliant. Like I would have just watched that the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're the one walking towards it <laughs> yeah oh but also just that that giant uh window with all the symbols and lights just in the main yeah. control room also that oh, was yeah. so pretty great great sets um it's not cinematography that's set design and like effects oh yeah sorry that's okay it's uh yeah everything visually about this story is great even even the tomb itself like creating that set where they're all coming out of the plastic you know chopping through it yeah that gets homaged in a couple different episodes of new who but the one that comes to mind is rose's last episode when uh freema who's playing martha's cousin because she hadn't been cast yet ariadne something like that um goes into like the floor like two floors up to make out with her boy toy and it's like kind of under construction so like no one's over here and then a cyberman like bursts through the plastic to come and get him cybermen like to burst through plastic it's a good look there's a lot of cybermen bursting in this yeah serial a lot of jamie bursting (laughs) jamie ain't never not bursting I'm, I'm just on Jamie touching the girl watch. <laughs> like anytime they're on <laughs> in a scene together, he just has one hand on her all the time. 
I kind of mentioned it last time, but uh, this story, the woman who played, uh, what's her nuts? The bad guy. Captain. Captain. Yeah, the the lady who played Captain, she's the boss's wife, and she comes in, and Jamie, or Fraser Hines, immediately is hitting on her. And she's like, uh, Jamie, it's me. <laughs> uh, or, not Jamie, <laughs> um, Fraser, it's me. And she tells the story on the DVD. And it's hilarious. <laughs> but he's, he, like, doesn't re- realize it's her because she's in fucking brown face. That, <laughs> and, like, I think you've talked about her. this before. I brought it up that two podcasts is, ago. Yes, okay. I was like, did this? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I said now. it was coming. Got but it. Yeah, any, I'm almost done editing that one right now. But yeah, anytime there's a new woman on set, he's just like, yep. Hello. Let's <laughs> do this. <laughs> I did appreciate a lot of the cast dying because then it was less people <laughs> to follow Yikes. and understand get it wow. terry there was a lot of people but <laughs> there were i really didn't mind it this time but it was great yeah, because you have well like the paced. overly yes. like oh my god we're gonna die and he dies and we got the one who's like what is this and dies the cyberman trying to crawl out of the tomb area and then he gets shot and then he crawls back in <laughs> yeah, Jamie, like pushes out his forehead and then he crawls backwards this is so funny is this the only time we'll see a different Cyberman compared to everyone else of like the big brain guy? Oh, no, it is not. Okay. Is there we like a Cyber Hulk? Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a other new than what's his face. The but Cyber like... Controller or a, a variation of that becomes a thing and is also a new who. We saw half of a face mask Cyberman, super cool Cyber dude. I wasn't. Okay, never mind. But yeah, I was meaning more of just in old Who, not new Who. Oh, we'll, we'll almost never exclusively know. there will be a cyber controller or something similarly named in all Cybermen episodes from now on. Okay. Um. So, cyber controller was played by Michael Kilgariff. They just wanted like a super tall guy, and he was great. During the story, they have this giant helmet on him. And the brain inside is supposed to be, like, moving and pulsating. And they put this gigantic rig on him that was super heavy. And he couldn't hear anything the whole time he's acting. And in the story, even now, on a 70-inch TV, you cannot fucking tell that that thing is moving (laughs) at all. Whatever they tried to do does not show up on camera. And I feel so bad for him because he had the worst time shooting this. (laughs) You just see a brain inside some glass, and that's it. They were really proud of the Cybermats because they got more close-ups than anything. Their and eyes kept bulging. In these episodes, yeah, the bulging <laughs> eyes. And the, they were cool. The Yeah, like if those were robots, like legitimately remote-controlled robots. Some of them were. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Some and of them were those things that you like pull back and then they shoot forward. Oh, spring-loaded. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like, some the, of, like the rip cords. Yeah, some were remote controlled, some were just being pulled by a string. One got out, right? Yep. Okay. So that the Cyberman can continue. Because the, the doctor says, like, that's definitely the last of the Cybermen. We'll never see them again. <laughs> Get a shift on. <laughs> All right. Um, I got a couple more little fun facts. So, Peter Bryant was the producer on this story, new producer for us. This was a trial run because Ennis Lloyd was getting ready to leave. Um, he had been an associate producer and the script and a script editor for the last two stories. And he will script edit the next three before becoming the uh, the full-time producer next year. Um, and his final act as producer, Baby saved Doctor Who because he cast John Pertwee as a third Doctor before leaving. Wow, what a hero. Um, and because he was acting producer for this, they had to bring Victor Pemberton on as a script editor. And he he's uh, written a couple stories and he'll write some more. Um, and he acted as uh, one of the scientists in the moon base. But he has the distinction of being the shortest tenured script editor in Doctor Who history. <laughs> just doing it for this one story. Nice. 
What a story, dude. Like, come in on this one, and then, like, it's beloved. Like, people love it. It's a script it. by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis. Like, they're, they're Doctor Who, like, alums. Like, I'm sure it wasn't wildly hard to work with them oh. on this. It was a home run to begin with. Yeah, Jerry Davis was a script editor, I think. Kit Pedler created the Cybermen. He was a scientist, not really a writer, so that's why he always wrote with Jerry Davis, because he, you know, he needed, like, a proper writer to work on it with him. And so, yeah, these guys, like, this is their third Cyberman story at this point. They they know what they're doing. Nice. Uh, minor spoiler here. This is Victoria's only story that does not take place on Earth. Hmm. So we got some past, we got some future coming up, but they're all on Earth for the rest of Victoria's run. I really like having two companions that are older than the, like, like from the past of the Watchers. Yeah, Which it's, is it's weird. Neat. Like, we talked about it last time, but, like, they've never done that on New Who. They've never had a past yeah. or future companion. They've all been contemporary companions. It'd be nice just once. It, it, like, it's super weird that they're both from the past, and they don't really play into it much. But, uh, yeah, just having one in New Who would be fun. Uh, let's see. This is... Not only just one of two season five stories that fully exists, but it's the only one of all five 60s Cybermen stories that exist in its entirety. Yeah, it was weird watching a real episode. Right? <laughs> it's going to be a while before we do that. <laughs> but you finally got to see the second Doctor, like, full blown. Yeah. That was cool. He was full blown. <laughs> yeah. Him and Jamie. The guy that played Viner, he was kind of like the little dweeb that was just like, uh, or he he went with Victoria and, um, Cataran. What's her name? Caftan. 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 Yeah, he's Mister <laughs> Doom. In the beginning, Bloom. when when Victoria gets trapped in that, like, uh, regeneration pod, he this is his first of four like pretty big roles in Doctor Who. F fandom loves him. Yeah, kind of a small part here, but. And I like to look at the ratings and see how Doctor Who's doing. This one, episode one, 6.0 million viewers. Not good when we're used to like that 8 million point. Episode two, 6.4. Episode three, 7.2. Episode four, 7.4. So we're on a steady incline. It seems like word of mouth is catching on. Some, some good numbers. What, uh, what, what time of year did you say this was? Uh, September. Yeah, that's tough because like summer, man, like you want to be out. Uh, I mean, we could talk about what we thought the Cybermen looked like if we wanted to talk about their evolution of costume. Yeah, now it's drilled out and they have electrical tape. Yeah, Terry, what'd you what'd you think of the costumes in this one? Go. I thought everyone on the expedition team looked great. Uh, their winter coats looked super nice. Um, yeah, what do they keep calling them? Adirondacks? It's not a chair. But no, I I really liked the design of the helmet for the Cybermen. The opening mouth thing. And just later on, too, having the smoke come out of it when he was shot was super cool to see. Um Ninja Turtle gloves were a little weird, uh, but it also made um, Toberman with his giant bionic arm at the end also look really cool. The The wiffle balls and tubes looked weird. I really wish it would have had something different. I like the mobility they had, but they just looked really haphazard put together. Yeah, we really, I mean... We don't really break down the episodes. It's kind of just a reaction podcast, but we didn't really talk about the last two episodes at all or like the whole plot. Like this uh, Klieg thinks that he's going to resurrect the Cybermen and because he is their savior, he will or they will listen to him and join him. And he basically just wants to take over the world. Pretty, pretty typical bad guy plot. And... Never works out for the bad guy. Oh, the doctor, like, doing the fake, oh, you're such a genius, and 
together we can rule the world and I'll support you. Just to find out that the dude is absolutely out of his gourd <laughs> was kind of cool. I like that. Kind of cool. Kind of was kind. It was kind of super duper cool, but it was too late. <laughs> I was already checked out. No, I wasn't checked out. It was cool. What the hell is the League of Extraordinary Logicians? <laughs> yeah, you'd think someone who's like the head of a logician society. You you know the Brits. They just have societies for fucking everything. Um. You think the head of a logician society would be a little more aware of what the doctor was doing when he's like, oh, no, you're so big and strong. You have the biggest <laughs> penis here, so everyone loves you. <laughs> you're going to control the world forever. Yeah, as well as tweets. Tweet. I'd do a tweet. We got fireworks. You got fireworks? Nice. Are the dogs okay? Yeah, Turbo's deaf now, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, BT Flippity Gigget at your cool 91 says, probably still the best TV appearance of the Cybermen ever. Wow. I-M-O. Every member of the TARDIS team gets their moments to shine. The Doctor gets some truly heartwarming moments with Victoria, and the Cybermen are a truly retro-futuristic menace. Just like with the, like, Classic Daleks. I think the classic Cybermen are so much more interesting than the current. I thought that about them in this story. It's like yeah. they're just a lot more thoughtful and they like have a plan other than just kill. Yeah, I I don't love the Chris Chibnall era, but I think he did the Daleks and the Cybermen better than his New Who predecessors. Like Cybermen and Daleks just didn't. There weren't any like huge bangers during the RGD and Moffat uh years other other than maybe the first one dalek is good but uh like moffat like has said like he just had no interest in writing those because he just he knew he couldn't do it well uh james at james swift 95 because i just tweeted like hey give me some thoughts and it was kind of middle of the night for uk people it was kind of late here too Said, uh, I just read this tweet and fell back to sleep. I had a dream I was watching Tomb of the Cybermen, but recast by the U.S. office. The Doctor, Jamie, and Victoria was played by Dwight, Jim, and Pam, respectively. That was pretty good. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. James, you might need to see somebody. <laughs> it, that says the actual version is pretty good, too. How do you have a dream <laughs> and, like that? Right? Just yeah, just a, like... Suggestion dreams. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. My brain's too dumb. I need I need to work on that. That's a superpower. Holy fuck. Matt at neither time nor space says boring. <laughs> Possibly my least favorite classic story and definitely my <laughs> least favorite classic doctor. <laughs> so you said he was a troll. Is he's a professional troll. So he likes it and it's his favorite doctor? No, he just likes to shit on things. <laughs> oh. So he's a curmudgeon. Yeah. He's a prick. Uh, <laughs> totally love say, say, say hello, Sam. Get a shift on. Janelle Hobbs at J. Christine H. says, One of the greats for me, and I think a lot of that has to do with this formula. One part Edwardian adventure, one part Macbeth, and two parts 60s sci-fi. The Doctor goading and tricking Klieg throughout the runtime is a highlight. I love the now I know you're mad moment. The humor is wonderfully done, especially concerning the Doctor and Jamie. The accidental hand-holding, Jamie turning to leave when the Doctor tells everyone else they can go, uh, let the Doctor pass, and Cody, complete metal breakdown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they really have amazing chemistry. I absolutely adore the Cybermats. Although budgetary limita limitations clearly don't do them favors. Uh, and then she's quoting, there's too many of them cut to no more than a couple of them. <laughs> and compared to other companions slash serials, Victoria gets to be a wonderful mix of curious and scared yet brave. And while the doctor does use Victoria to his advantage, he always tries to leave her in the safer place. And their scene talking about the families is beautiful. While well, we've seen the doctor be grandfatherly or like a fun uncle, this is the first time we see him being fatherly. I only have two major issues with the with the serial. First, 
not enough is made of the Cybermen recognizing the Doctor. Yeah, they they say in the story, like, hey, we know you. And he's like, okay. And they just never bring it up again. <laughs> More importantly, the racist stereotyping and storyline for Toberman is dreadful. Uh, some may call it just a product of its time, but there was already a Cyberman story that employed its black actor more respectfully. They also pulled a similar kind of racist stereotyping with Camel in Evil of the Daleks. Just leaves such a sour mark on otherwise great story. Yeah, and it's it's really a bummer that they're back-to-back Evil of the Daleks in this one. But they're produced by different people, cast by different people, written by different people... And it's all like kind of going on at the same time. So there's not a like, uh, not a lot of like, hey, did you uh, racistly cast a black man as the silent mute uh, strongman? <laughs> so is that is that better or worse? Like, are they just all racist then? <laughs> well, it's not. I, I just mean it's not like indicative of like something systemic. I mean, obviously, systemic racism in the sixties was wild, <laughs> but uh, it's not like they're like, well, this is what black people do. It's just like one group of people cast a black man in a role and then a different group of people cast a black man in a very similar role. That's the issue <laughs> is that different groups of people thought this is what the black yeah. man role is. Tough look. Tough look. Hey, Cody. Yes, Mr. Jake. Who's your MVP? Patrick Chowden. Yeah. Uh, Sam? Troughton. Terry? I am also going to say Patrick Troughton. Chill. Uh, who's who's the dude that plays Jamie? Fraser Hines. That. Alex? I'm going to say, like, the main bad guy. Like he was when he was acting and he was on screen, he was very captivating. He was he was very good. George Pastel. I'm gonna go with the writer. Well, writers, but specifically I want to shout out to Kit Pedler. This is his last one. This is not his last one. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um Well, it's the last one that he gets a writing credit on. Let's say that. Uh, written with Jerry Davis, but you know he created the Cybermen, and he had some fun ideas, like the War Machines was his idea, like the idea, the fear of computers connecting to each other, like in the sixties. That's super exciting, and then uh, you know, just kind of be being the scientific advisor, having some fun stuff, and creating the Cybermen. Like, what's what's not to love? Shout out to Kip Butler. So, guys, for next time, we have a story that is almost entirely animated. I believe episode two exists. I bought Blu-rays for everybody. Except for you, Terry. Go fuck yourself. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's six episodes. And... It's fairly new, so I'm excited because I've never seen this one. (laughs) It is the first story of a villain that we have seen in New Who. So that's fun. The Master Tim Shaw. It's not the Master. It's not Tim Shaw. Oh. It's called the Abominable Snowman. The Martians. It's not the Martians. That Ice Warriors? It's not the Ice Warriors. The episode I, after I this I is know. called The Ice Warriors. Oh, <laughs> dang it. Is it uh, Great Intelligence? It is the Great Intelligence. What? Ooh, I never yeah. once would have. No, that wasn't even on my list. Because <laughs> we saw we saw him as Snowman. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, man. I'm excited. <laughs> we actually have two Great Intelligence stories this season, I think. But anyway, yeah. The Bottle of Snowman, six episodes, great intelligence. Uh, there's fucking Yetis, man. Who doesn't who doesn't love Yeti stories? Uh, they're Yetis from the sixties. <laughs> I think they're robot Yetis, if that helps. Holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> Cybermen Yetis. Oh no. <laughs> and if you guys remember during 
the fiftieth anniversary in um the name of the doctor, there's that episode where Clara is like running through the doctor's timeline and they put, they insert her into shots of all the doctors. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot with Troughton where he has like a big fur coat on and he's like running past her. I think that's from this one. <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't seen it. So again, I'm excited. Alex, do the song. Now this has been Married to Who, our episode on Tube of the Cyberman. If you would like to participate with us, you can do so on our Twitter, Married to Who Pod. Uh, if you want to listen to older episodes, older than the 100 most recent, you can do so on our website, Married to Who.com. I'm behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, producer Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for the Abominable Snowman. Sounds terrible.